Welcome to the Barking for Balance podcast. I am your host, Jordan Kern, back for another exciting episode where we're going to take two dots, the people and the dogs, and we're going to connect them seamlessly. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be marvelous. So if you're not seated right now, I highly recommend pulling up a nice big chair, parking your rear end, and buckling up for the next hour of fun fantastic film. And now I'm going to hand it off to my co-host, Pat Budida. Pat? Well, guys, this is Barking for Balance. It's still Barking for Balance, and I am still Pat the Pac-Man, and it's not Budida, it's Batita. Just FYI, God damn it. He's got a hard head, this guy. Butita, Butita, Butita. You have heard me mention him on numerous other podcast episodes. Jordan, welcome to Barking for Balance, finally. How's it going? And by the way, I am not the co-host. I am the host, period. So don't start taking dry shit away here. Barking for Balance, people. The podcast where we talk about dogs and we talk about anything else that is meant to teach, inspire, and entertain. That is exactly correct. Host, co-host, all this jibble-jabble. We're here. And we're excited. That's right. Jordan, what's your favorite color? My favorite color probably would be number one pink, hands down. I love pink so much. Pink is just an amazing color. It's something that catches your eye. You're driving down the road. You see something pink, boom, there go your eyes. Followed by number two, I would say would probably be baby blue. Mm. Um, I love the baby blue, the Carolina blue. I love the garb. And I just like the way that it catches light from the sun and reverberates it right off my body. Those two colors do the same exact thing. I'm electric and I like to stay that way. Jordan, guys, you better sit down because it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. But before we kick this thing off, we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about fear, guys. Fear, fear about all sorts of stuff. We're going to talk about fear about dogs, fear about all sorts of stuff, right, Jordan? There's a lot of things. That's exactly right. There you go. The kind of fear you established when you were a kid, a middle-aged fear, a preteen fear, you know, all, all different kinds of fears, but pretty much, you know, fear from the top to the bottom. We're also going to talk about who needs who more. What the hell am I talking about? I'm talking about who needs more. Do Who needs who more? Do dogs need humans more or do humans need dogs more? We're going to discuss that over here on Barking for Balance. But before we kick this off, you guys got to make sure you subscribe to the podcast, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Apple. And of course, if you want to see this beautiful face of mine, and of course, an even more beautiful face of Jordan's, then make sure you subscribe also on YouTube. It's going to be a doozy. We're going to have a lot of fun. You don't want to miss out on the podcast, Barking for Balance. So Jordan, let's talk about fear. What are you afraid of? Now, in the present moment, 2021, what are you afraid of? Well, hands down, from a little kid, big Spielberg. No, no, no. Fan. Right now, what's what's your biggest right fear now? Right now, well, it's something that established then and now has delved into a fear that's still modern day, and okay. that would be sharks. I don't know what they are. They bother me and they scare me every time I'm in the ocean or even a lake, even a lake where I know there are no sharks. I still pick up my feet real quick. I still get out and quick to the dock to get out out of the water. I don't know why, but it scares me. I think it's the abyss, the openness of the ocean that really deters me from it, that anything could be out there at any moment. Okay. And, and, and it still it sits with me today. It would probably be sharks. I'm so what do you feel about sharks. shark movies like Jaws and all those other movies? Yeah, Jaws, it, it, it is scary. And he can take a nice hefty bite out of some people. 
Um, <laughs> but it's fake. It's fugazi. It's fugazi. It is, well, a, fugazi. It is a wazi. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say collectively sharks, whether the real sharks or fake sharks or animatronic sharks or mammal sharks. Sharks in general. The sharks. sharks in general. Okay. So you obviously don't watch, watch that show Shark Tank and what that, what that shit. I don't watch Shark Tank. I don't watch Shark Week and I don't watch Shark NATO. No Damn. shark. If it's got shark in it, I'm out of it. Okay. Well, then well, shark is what your fear. You know what my biggest fear is now or for a long time? Tell me, Pat. Losing my hair. I would rather get eaten alive by a shark than lose my hair. Yeah, yeah. I'll let and it turn it, fluorescent pink as long as it stays on the head. So that's a fear that has it sat with you for a bunch of years now and it and has grown into an even bigger fear now. Is it like when you get longer, you become more fearful with the more hair that you lose? No, I'm not losing any of it. Okay. In fact, my, my hair has no permission to leave my head. Oh, yeah, it's got to ask permission, and it's got to be replaced by three other follicles before it, it, it leaves the, the head. And that's so, right. And, yeah. you know, this video is sponsored by Keeps. Call Keeps and get your first free trial of, of hair stuff today. We're not sponsored by them, but I just want to throw them a free plug right there. Yeah, there's, no, there's no sponsorship. So if Jordan's into hair. that, Keeps. God bless. Keeps, if you're listening, give us a call. Barking that's for balance. That's true. You can you know, you sponsor this stuff. You know what I'm saying? It'll be good. That's exactly right. It'll be good. All right, so let's talk about fear. So... Fear is obviously something that, you know, you, you know, as well as uh, many other people that have been listening to this, that I was afraid of dogs till I was 28 years old, right? So what is your feelings on um, fear of dogs in general, in, fear of dogs or fear in general? You know, we haven't gotten our own dog until four years ago. Our dog's four years old and we got him four years ago. Before what that, my family, he is a Jack Russell, like English sheep herd dog mix. So he's mm. a mutt but he's beautiful. He's got the long legs like a runner should, but he's got that beautiful Jack Russell face and body. So he's a I hopper. With all. He's a hopper. He's real excited, but now he's kind of docile. He kind of, you know, just before it was thundering outside my house right now. He's all curdled up in a bowl right outside my door. He's so scared. Doesn't want to, doesn't want to see no one. Doesn't want to play with anybody. You could walk up to that dog with a piece of chicken. And if it's thundering out, he will not take a little nibby. You got to talk about how to fix that. We definitely do. I'm going to yep. circle it right here. Mm -hmm. So um, now my fear with dogs developed when I was going over to my friend's house. His name's Mike Aiello. Shout out Mike Aiello. Um, <laughs> and he had a very fearful dog that was loud. He was quick. He was fast. He was Wait, the dog fight. was fearful? The dog? No, the dog had no fear of oh. anybody. I had the fear. Just a measly little nine-year-old Jordan walking over to hang out with his friends to play Pokemon cards, to watch YouTube videos like, you know, two nine-year-olds would do. Mm -hmm. But arriving to his house, because it would happen just after school, no parents around, no supervision, just him in the home and me walking over to it. Now, the real struggle was getting down to the house because it was down kind of a hill, right? And I would, I would walk up. I would scope it out. I would look left and right. I would even shout out a couple of things to see if he would com be coming right from the back, running around to see my beautiful face. So I would sprint. I would book it across Mikey's lawn and I would jump right in through his front door and I would evade all signs of Trooper. Trooper but why was were you scared name. of Trooper? I was scared of Trooper because I had no prior experience with dogs in the past really at length. And all of my previous experiences, because he was kind of a rambunctious, rowdy dog. Every but he wasn't time he aggressive. Would, it was just like he a wasn't perception. aggressive, but he would greet me aggressive, or at least my nine-year-old self 
perceived it to be aggressive. He would jump up on me. He would take a little nibby out of my hand and Mikey's mom would be like, Oh, trooper, stop it. She would always shush him away. Okay. At the time I'm like, I just felt a tooth. You know, I don't really feel tooth too many mm-hmm. times on my skin. And it was very, it's like a furry shark. You were thinking at one point. It's exactly right. I was very fearful of this dog because you, you want to get a piece of me. I wanted nothing to do with him. And I feel like he would smell my fear. It was almost, it got to a point where he knew I was approaching the house and he would, he would come to the front lawn. He would make my life difficult mm-hmm. where I would walk away to the left and he would follow me over. And I had, I would have to call Mikey. Hey, can you bring trooper in? It was a mess. It was a mess. So my fear of dogs bruised from that early adolescence experiences that I had collectively. From from Mike's dog. So you were afraid of dogs from nine years old until when? Uh, or was it you were just afraid of that specific dog? I think I was afraid of that specific dog. I've met tons of nice dogs that were way smaller than I was, but because this dog was was rowdy and he was rambunctious and he was high energy and I was not all these things at the time, you know, that's a different, that's a story for a different day, but right. All of these things kind of fested inside of me and it made me afraid of this dog. But then I would, I would be sitting down at the dinner table and the whole family would be interacting with trooper, giving him a nice rub on the head. And he was this beautiful, beautiful hound. He would never harm a soul, but I didn't see that initially. I was a little scared, a little bit turned off by trooper. Did you feel like he was like, maybe um, like trying to overpower you, bully you a little bit? It could be. It could be. At the time, I was easily bullyable. I was very bullyable. I was very, you know, dough-skinned, right? Kind of pale, didn't have much color. So, I mean, if I was a dog with the energy that he had, who knows? Who knows? I probably you would You know, be. it's funny you bring that up because, like, you know, people don't believe in the whole, you know, human emotions play a role with how dogs behave. And when you're dealing with a dog like you're describing who's excitable, maybe a little bit on the dominant side, a little bit more like that bully type kind of thing, the weaker you show yourself, especially you're on the smaller size, you know, your energy's low, your emotions are weak. That's a, that's like a powerhouse of, of, do- of, of emotions. That's just going to make a dog just bulldoze right through you, you know, and whether it's a child or adult, it's key. It's key. And, ju- and very similar to like how a blood can smell. I mean, uh, how a shark can smell blood in the water from a mile away. He, he could smell me approaching the house steadfast. He could, he could hear me coming. And just like you said, I wore it right on my sleeve. I wanted nothing to do with this dog. I didn't want to look him in the eyes because from an early age, I was told not to look a dog in the eyes because then they will attack. They mm-hmm. will see you as a threat. So I never made eye contact with dogs from ages one to about maybe 11. I didn't want to, I don't want to test them whether it was a little <laughs> Shih Tzu or it was a little, you know, a, a Great Dane or something. No, I'm not in the, in the market to be testing any dog. So yes, like you had said, he would read it right off of me. I wanted nothing to do with him and he wanted every piece of me. Right. So that fear was basically weakness in the dog's mind. And so dogs are either going to reject it or attack. I'm sorry, they're going to they're going to either try to attack it to, you know, snap you out of it or they're going to attack you to just overpower you because, you know, weakness is not allowed. And around why? Them. And if you don't ask, if you don't mind me asking, Pat, why is that the case? Why? Why do they see weakness and they must pounce or attack or it's survival of the pack. So, you know, like when it comes to, to human emotions, a dog wants to make sure that you can be a source of trust and respect. And when you don't have that calm and firm energy, then they're going to uh, feel, and of course, it's just dependent on, on the, the type of, if you're dealing with a dog who's has a personality, just a happy-go-lucky, really doesn't care about anything, then you could be whatever you want. It's not going to really make a difference. But if you have a dog like you're describing who's more excitable, you know, more dominant, more uh, maybe a little undisciplined, 
they're just going to behave like dogs, which is we need to get rid of weakness. Weakness is not allowed. You know, I mean, it's sad to say, but if you think about this in a family dynamic, you know, a mother dog or even any animal for that matter has babies. Oftentimes in the wild, the weak one just gets left behind because it brings down the, 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 the survival rate of the of the pack itself, of the family itself. So they can't deal with that. You know, there was a video a while back that was about a cat. I don't know if it was in Africa or where it was or, you know, some country, Asia or whatever. And it was a cat that had given birth to some kittens in a cave. And it was a snake that was that came in to basically eat the kittens. And the mama cat just took off. She tried to defend it, but then she just vanished. And, you know, then it's like some people came in and actually, you know, you know, you know, uh, save the kittens from the snake. But there was so much criticism for like, this this cat oh she's this mother she wouldn't have left this is animals i mean their survival instincts kick in you know it's not like humans where they got to protect their young that's it's different you know what i mean so the weakness is just it's just not accepted you know whether it's fear or insecurity or nervousness or tension or anger or frustration you know they don't I, trust or respect that i think people forget that too often too where they want to connotate their dog to being just like another member of the family. I'm going to give this dog my last name because he is my fourth son or what have you. Um, that people forget that, that they have these underlying instincts. At the end of the day, they are animals. They are not people. No matter how much love or biscuits or, or trust you build with this dog or even how docile you may get it to be, right? At the end of the day, they are animals. These, these instincts within them will kick in their fight or flight or whatever, and they will act accordingly, right? Just like I heard a story just here in Mountain Lakes. We had the fireworks last weekend, 4th of July. Big get together here at the house. Had a lot of fun, lots of laughs. But I heard a, a dog down the block nearly ran right through the back um, door because he heard the booms outside. And his name is Oscar. And Oscar has been loose in the town for a couple of days now. Oh, yeah, she got God. free. God willing, they actually found him. They brought him back home. He was 16 years old. He couldn't really hear well or see well. Oscar, I don't even know what kind of dog he was. I saw a photo. But for whatever reason, he was compelled and he ran right through the back screen door while the whole family was watching the fireworks and he got away because he was so scared or he was so overwhelmed with the circumstance of the moment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thank God they found him and they brought him back to his family. But it's just, it's a crazy thing. You never know what's going to happen or how they're going to act in incredible circumstances. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why before the whole 4th of July thing, I put out a podcast talking specifically about that, because exactly what you're talking about is dogs instincts or animal instincts kick in humans are rational. So like when you're dealing with like a person that's afraid or child that's afraid, you rationalize with them. It's okay. Don't worry. But with the dog, again, you're showing weakness. Your emotions are really what are uh, expressing you, you know, what you're communicating is coming through your emotions. It's not coming from your words. They don't right. understand what you're saying because you, they don't rationalize. Right. You know what I mean? Which yeah. is why when we're, when we're talking about fear, you know, and you know, you're describing it as from a nine-year-old child. I mean, the fact that you weren't aren't afraid till this day is pretty shocking to me. It is shocking to me as well. Well, I'm not fearful anymore of, right. of dogs, obviously, because we got, you know, our beautiful bow um, and it has changed, you know, my life forever now now i feel like i'm in public and i'm more friendly with dogs and i'm so much more quick to be petting some other stranger's dog or talking to them or or anything like that and it's totally opened up my 
front door in terms of what is okay and what is comfortable with me because I know what I have with my dog back at home right? and I know how special he can be for me and it has changed my world entirely, entirely. But do you feel the same way about other, other dogs when you meet them too? You know, I think a part of it will be a little fake. You know, I just want to be nice and you want to do the social right by other people that don't know you as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same token, I, I feel like I have a, a greater capability of listening to them and hearing what they have to say about how much they love this dog and what he's up to. And, and I'm more open to chatting about my dog and their dog. It's just, you know, me having a dog has made it so much more okay for me to go, let's say, out of my comfort zone with other people in terms of dogs. Like it right. has opened up that door for me. Right. So like, like when it comes to like fear and you're talking about sharks, you're afraid of sharks. What I find when it comes to fear is that most of the time fear is, um, is fake. So you're like, you're playing like this movie in your mind and you see this outcome and and, you know, people are like, oh, 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 my God, you know, I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that. And yeah, but, you know, this is what he used to do. And this is what he's always done. But that's all emotions that are from the past. I'm sorry. Those are all situations that are from the past. They're not in the present. So when it comes to like people being afraid of something, it's based on what you see in your head playing out. And it's not really it's not real. So like, you know, for example, if you're seeing a dog like for me personally, I never had a bad incident. I never even had any exposure to, to dogs, but I was terrified because of the fact that that was just implanted in my mind. A lot of it was again, lack of exposure. A lot of it was because my mom is, is terrified. Right. But then I would see like these images and it would be like this dog jumping on me and biting me and just taking a chunk out and me bleeding and me being on the ground. And it was like all this, this, this fiction playing around, but it was all fake. But what was real was the emotions behind it. That was real. And unfortunately, that's what, you know, these guys are going to play off of, you know, so fear is so, and I don't know how you feel about it. If you ever like lived this, cause you even said before, you know, before when you were talking about, you know, how you used to be like shy and insecure and whatever's going on and being bullied, which I was bullied until like I was in high school, you know, when I moved from Italy here uh, and even in Italy, I was being bullied because I was just that, that weakling, you know what I mean? Um, emotionally weak. So, you know, fear is like debilitating. So have you ever experienced anything where like that fear just kind of took over and it didn't allow you to do something or to be something or whatever? I would say for certain, for sure. You know, and, and now hearing you say that it has kind of turned over some stones in terms of me that yes, fear is not real, but fear is, is, is you you are creating this story. You are painting this portrait of how that dog is going to be tearing chunks out of you. And you see it happen before it even happens. And that's where that fear comes. Like you don't want that thing to happen. So you envision it happening almost like as a self-defense for you to counter that fear. Because when it happens, right, you're not going to be fearful of it because you already saw it coming. Um, so, you know, what I would say probably in terms of fear I would, you know, probably just being successful, like in sports, like, you know, different things, whether it be shooting a basketball or throwing a pitch, you know, with my whole family there, I'd be fearful of failure. And I would totally get in my own head and I would psych myself out and okay, what if you walk this guy or what if you miss this jump shot? What then? What then? How am I going to sit in the car with my dad on the way home after I missed the last shot of the game or I, you know, I walked the bases loaded and I ended up coughing it up. 
Um, so different things like that. Like we're, we're a very heavy sports family. So a lot of my early adolescent fear delves in sports, high anxiety, high stakes, you know, your first team camaraderie, social, everything, the whole nine. So I would be very fearful of, of, of just failing myself of me being a failure collectively or failing at whatever task I was trying to accomplish. Definitely. And that really paralyzed you from like in, in, in other ways to like move forward. And did that make you feel like you were being like made you more insecure and more like weak? I, I, I can imagine it being that way for sure. Um, maybe not insecure, but definitely debilitating me in real time from even doing it. Where, so what like you where would describe it, it as more like nervousness and that kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, almost like I was trying to think it into existence. Like I would think about it so much to the point where it would freaking happen no matter what, or no matter what I tried to do to prevent it, it was almost like I was making it worse. Making and that's worse. that fear inside of me, that anxiety inside of me would grow and grow and grow until it would pop and it would happen. And then I'd be there with, you know, my hands at my sides, like, oh, you know, I saw this coming or I could have seen this or I could have seen myself giving up that home run or what have you. So yeah, definitely. I think the, the, that the fear that you have or the fear that you have about anything that you are fearful of, it is a direct reflection of you and, and your thoughts and what you perceive to be harmful to you or anything like that. You're making it up. Like you had said, it's Fugazi. It's not real until, you know, something actually happens. You but say Fugazi, happens. I say Facetia. Facetia, Fugazi, <laughs> nothing is real until and it actually got, happens. And, and let me explain this one. If nobody knows what Fugazi comes from, you got to watch the movie, Jordan, which movie? Ooh, the Bronx Tale. No, it's not from the Bronx uh, Tale. What is it from? Jordan Belfort. Oh, Fug oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant Fukazi. Fugazi, Fukazi. Yeah, it's a wazi, it's a woozy. That is a direct quote from The Wolf of Wall Street with the great Leonardo DiCaprio, a quote and a movie that I quote so frequently. I love it so much. And I gotta throw this in there. I don't know if it's on Instagram or you you tell you tell us where that where that is, but I saw a video of Jordan performing a certain specific take from that movie and he was awesome where is that on instagram or where is that, that is exactly right yes you can follow me on instagram at i'm underscore jor j-o-r underscore daddy two i'm not number one i'm number two spell that again and for him that is is i'm i'm your daddy but instead of your it's jor with a j-o-r and there's underscores in between i'm jor daddy and then there's a two right after the daddy i'm not number one i am number two Number one, it's a long story. We've, we've had a feud for a couple of years now. My TikTok, which is where you can find this exact video he's referencing, I couldn't even tell you the username. It's Jordaddy, but with like a million Ys. So I don't even know how much it is. If you probably search Jordan Kern, which is my last name, K-E-R-N, please don't come and stalk me. Um, you can probably find it there. And it's like my most viewed video, but pretty much it's me recounting um, that exact scene where Jordan gets his very first sale um, when he's trading penny stocks, the very beginning portion. Don't give of the too movie. much away. Watch I'm not giving too much away. I don't want to spoil nothing. I don't want to spoil nothing. But my name is Jordan. His name is Jordan. And I feel like I can just do a really good uh, personification of Leo in that movie. You got to watch it. Jordan becomes Jordan Belfort. Jordan Kern to Jordan <laughs> Belfort. <laughs> That's you brought exactly back memories right. from my old days as financial advisor and all that. That's so. right. I've heard a lot of grandeer stories about my friend Pat, about yeah, his we'll days on the street. We'll Creighton leave stocks. that for, an, for another we'll, time. Another episode. Stay we'll tuned. discuss the past and financial if you haven't, advisor crap. And if you haven't yet, please like, subscribe, 
and dash on those notification bells because you don't want to miss an episode coming your way. Okay, do it right now. There you go. Perfect. So let's back back to fear. So what made you change? Because listen, I know you now. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the hell could this guy be shy or nervous or insecure or whatever, whatever, you know, we're fearful, whatever word you want to associate that to? Because listen, I got the same issues. If you would have seen me most of my life up until before I went to college. So I was in my 20s before I became a little bit more socially capable. We'll, we'll talk about, you know, we'll say. But I know personally, like how I kind of slowly came out of it. But in your case, how did it go? What happened? That is a great question. Um, as you guys well, can see, this is not a nervous, insecure kind of fella. <laughs> you know um, what I'm saying? Yeah. And he's actually acting a little bit more conservative right now. So we're going to get him to crack that shell pretty soon. <laughs> uh, definitely. What, how I would say it for me, you know, I was, let's see. Well, I come from a big family already. Right. And, you know, big being family, like an, siblings or like extended big family. No. Yeah. Like just extended family. Like, and uh, I feel like I really found my voice right in like the third or fourth grade um, when I started actually acting. I was I was an actor. I was a singer. Some may say child prodigy. I'm not the one saying it. I was involved in a bunch of different theater companies. I did a, a couple of small productions here in town. Like movies then, or just like plays? No, no, uh, like like actual dramas. Like I did Oklahoma and I did Thoroughly Modern Millie and I At did what age Willy was this? Wonka. I think I got my first, I think I was in like the fourth grade when I got my first role, but then it really hit its stride in the sixth grade when I was cast as Troy Bolton as in what? my middle, Troy Bolton in my middle school's production of high school musical and i was in the sixth grade and i got cast as it and away we went i was singing i was dancing i was dribbling and <laughs> dribbling from your mouth i remember specifically in that show right there was one moment where it was before we had rehearsed for about a month and a half and right before the people were going to take the stage for the very first time there's a thing in the movie it's kind of stupid but pretty much which um, movie is this high school musical oh Pretty much before the game, I don't even, I haven't seen the movie in a bunch of years, but pretty much before the game, all the people get in the middle and, um, and they like, they go like, who are we? And then everybody shouts back wildcats. Right. So we were about to take the stage for our first show. And I like led that. I thought it would be a cool idea to do it. Not that we're high school musical by any means. I mean, we're Rockaway Valley middle school we're out here in Boone Township, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, but I did it. And Shout out to Boone that, Township then, right? Shout out Boone Township. Shout out RVS. You guys grew me. Shout out Mountain Lakes, which is the town that I'm in right now. Both are amazing. Um, but when I when I got them all to cheer at that last thing and we all went, took the stage, like I just remember being like, you got this, you know, you, you got this. The packed house out there, it's going to be amazing and it's going to be phenomenal. And I try to run out there on stage, curtains up and away we went. And I really see that moment of my life. This so you moment, were in that position where you were like overthinking it at that point? Not even. It was almost like I had so much confidence and assurance in what I was capable of that it had totally quenched any kind of fear or nervousness that I had, even though every so why family was member- that though? Why, what, what caused it? I, I, I just, I was the part, I was a part of something like special, at least it felt special to me at the time. 
And there were a lot of people that were looking to me and were motivated by me. They were, they were riled up because of me. And everyone was looking to me for attention, for direction, for energy. I was the lead in the show and everybody was going to follow on my own order. So you were like the leader of the pack. I was the leader of the pack. I was Troy Bolton. That's exactly right. Leader of the pack. Not giving direction, setting boundaries, establishing limits. That's exactly right. You're a pack leader. And you can say, when I took, that's right. And when I took the stage, I had no limits. And I was the pack leader. And I was ready to to lead this pack. In fact, that was the only thing on my mind. It wasn't even, oh, am I going to forget my words, which I've had my entire life? Oh, you're going to forget the line. You're going to mess up. You're going to fuck up this part of the song. No, I had it all under control. It was even keel. I had it all at my fingertips, like right in that. I, I remember vividly like it was yesterday. This is the sixth grade. And I still remember it now. And I'm 23 years old. Just yesterday, like, who are we? Wildcats. Everyone's going crazy. The directors were out, the parents were standing outside. It, it was a scene. And, and that was definitely a turning point for me and really how I shook off all those things that I knew I was previous to that. And then it's almost like I shed this, the shell, this old turtle shell, I've outgrown it. And now it's time for me to venture off and find a new shell, a new home. And so if you had encountered Trooper, the dog that you were afraid of when you were nine years old, feeling the way you were feeling at that time, what do you think would have happened? I think I would have whistled. I think he would have laid down on his side. And I think I would have rubbed his belly for about 20 minutes. I think I that think dog that's... probably would have done your taxes too for the next three years. Maybe I even cook so. you some dinner, a little pice like you see, que fave. Yeah, a little lasagna. That's exactly right. That's right. I think he would have. He would have brought me right inside. He would have sat me down right there at the kitchen table. And he would have taken something right out of the oven that he's been preparing for for about an hour. Before I'm telling you, that's exactly what would have happened. That's exactly what would have happened. So that's great. And, you know, that, and it all stems from that fear. This Fugazi fear that I was creating myself that was never even really there to begin with. And all the meanwhile, I had it right, right in here, right in here, this lion's heart. Listen, I totally get that. And one of the things I practice and preach and preach and preach and preach to my clients is exactly that because that fear is paralyzing. You know, I don't know if you experienced this, but like there was times with me where just the fear would just, I call them the doubt monsters where just like all these thoughts are in my mind and they even happen till this day. It's just that I'm a lot stronger and able to kind of like just to them now. But you know, at the time when you're like just a weak little, little wimpy, little wimpy guy, those things beat you down and they win. You know, they make you believe the bullshit. You know, exactly. if it's Saria, that's what what's what the reality becomes. And unfortunately, you know, the reality of that is really what affects um, the mindset and the, and the emotions of your dogs. You know what I mean? So like, like if we're talking about you know, like, like, um, like you taking it, like, for example, when you take a dog who is, you're walking down the street, right? And every time you see a dog coming towards you get all nervous and fearful, because you're imagining all this stuff from happening, right? You're imagining this craziness, you're imagining, you know, your dog biting the other dog, or you're imagining him, you know, jumping on the person, and you're just envisioning all this stuff. And the emotions are just making you feel more and more of that. So what most people do is they just avoid the problem. They just cross the street and then they never deal with it. You know what I mean? Because right. the fear is more powerful than anything else. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, it's very funny because this brings up a story, a story that I've actually shared with you in the past, but now is a great opportunity because you just prompted me um, perfectly. My girlfriend, 
Shout out Marista. Love you so much. Um, my a lot of shout outs here today. A lot of shout outs and there's more to come. Um, my girlfriend, when she'll walk her dog in the neighborhood, right? Whenever her dog passes another dog, they'll just, he goes crazy for whatever reason. He becomes something that he is not. And he starts barking. He wants to attack and she has to physically restrain him. He's a big dog. He's like a great Dane mix. So he's a strong fucker. I promise you. So she really braces with everything to hold him back. But it's gotten to the point now with her where she avoids it at all costs, where she'll see a dog that she knows in the neighborhood down the block. And she'll be like, okay, let's turn around right now. And she'll walk the opposite direction. And then she'll see a dog, a dog coming from that way. And then she'll be like, oh, I don't know what to do because she doesn't want him to get, you know, all riled up and get to the point where he's about to bust out that leash and attack that dog. Or at least that's what he, it, it seems like he's willing to do if she were to let go. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's really important. So how do you think your dog feels or her dog? Yeah. It's both your dogs, obviously. How do you think your dog feels when that happens? Like, what is he, what do you think he's thinking? I, I think he is, is nervous. He's probably nervous or maybe just fearful or anything like that because he is a sweetheart. His name is blaze. Um, he's an absolute sweetheart. He is a love and a treat to be around at all times, but it's almost like when he gets out in the wild or he meets a new dog for the first time, it's like, he's ready to kill. It's like he's, he's never seen a dog before. It's like he's been in isolation or something like that. So I think it, it may be fear that he has, or maybe it could be something that he is just feeling about the situation. Um, maybe he, he feels the leash on his neck get a little bit tighter and he starts looking around a little bit, looking for, okay, well, why is that happening right now? Or maybe it's more of the environment, or maybe it's a combination of them both. At least that's what I can come up with. But you see what I'm talking about, how you know, you have a dog who's experienced fear and nervousness and tension, like you're describing it, right? Very, like, very, those are very vivid. See, Jordan's really good at making you, like, see what the words coming out of his mouth are trying to express. Like, you just visualize all that stuff, right? So that's because she's feeling the same way. So now he's kind of, like, mimicking and copycatting what she's feeling. You know what I mean? And that's really why it's so important. Like if you're, if you're passing through these emotions, through that, through that leash, you got to pass good emotions, calmness, assertiveness, firmness, confidence. And then your dog's going to be like, Oh, it's not a big deal because my mom and my dad, they feel cool about it. Right. But if you're projecting certain, certain emotions based again on the fantasies that are going on in your mind, your dog's going to play out those fantasies for you. And, and you know? she'll say, she'll say some things too. She'll say a little buzzword. She'll be like, Oh no. Oh no, here we are, oh, Blaze, Blaze, Blaze. Oh, oh, like she'll make all those kinds of noises before the situation happens or she'll groan or she'll moan and she'll pull him around. So he's already on alert. Even when he gets turned around, right? While they're in the middle of their walk, he already knows something's up, something's in the water, whether he saw that dog or not. Mm -hmm. Something is up because mom is not the same. Mom is not okay. Something's up with mom. So that exactly. must mean there's gotta be something up with me or pretty soon. Exactly. So if you think about this, who is creating that behavior? It could be mom. That's exactly where it stems from. Think so if you think about this logically, this is not about, what do we always say? We, we do what around here? A Pac-Man to the rescue. What do we do? Pac-Man to the rescue. We train the people and we do not, we do not train the dogs. Okay. That's right. so you, you heard came the here for dog training. Okay. It's not for dogs. It's for the people. We're training the people and not the dogs. You heard Jordan. We train people, not dogs. You want to know why? Because if we train dogs, we teach them to perform silly little tricks. There's little treats, little, all that stupid. No, it's all crap, right? So if we understand the source of the behavior, the source of the behavior is the emotion the dog is feeling that that's triggering that behavior, right? Mm. So now why is the dog, be, why, is it, why is those emotions there? Where are those coming from? 
they're coming from, like you said, from mom. So right. if you dress the source, which is mom or dad, we won't put anybody on the spot here. See, shout out to Marissa. So we won't put anybody on the spot there. Source, emotions, behavior, it's all gone. Right. Ah, right. Hallelujah. And then we can sing and dance. <laughs> right. Man, I, I got to learn. I get some better dance moves here. I'm not looking good with that, but that's besides the point. Catch a man, a fish, and he eats for a night. But teach a man to fish, and he will eat for life. Amen. And that's why we're training you. We're training you, okay? So get out your fishing rod, and let me teach you how to fish so that's... that you can feed yourself after I leave this stankly-ass town here on the coast of Ireland, okay? <laughs> coast so, of Ireland. You know, um, Oh, wherever, wherever people are catching fish. I don't know. Cambodia. I don't know. Is there even a shoreline there? Who knows? I'm not sure. I don't even know where that is. Is that a town? Is it a place? Is it a country? Based on the Men in Black movie, you could get, I think it was the Men in Black 2 or 1. I forget which one. You could get a lobster dinner for a dollar in Cambodia. Really? I don't know if that's true Um, or not. I've never seen the Men in Black movies. I know Will Smith is in it, and I know the little racer brain. Uh, But other than that, bunch of aliens, I'm pretty sure. Close enough. Cool. It's similar. It's similar. similar. We'll We'll watch our Wolf of Wall Street stuff. That's better. That's right. Although Movies. I do like Men in Black, so that's cool. All Although, right. let's not forget, what's the best movies right now? Marvel. Marvel. Captain America. Steve hey, Rogers. My, man, my, my man. man is repping a Captain America chain live on stream. If you're on YouTube, you could see it. If you're on Spotify, you cannot. So if you are on Spotify, keep listening, finish this episode, and then jump over to YouTube and check out our pretty little faces here. There it is. It's beautiful. It's the Captain America shield because my man loves Captain America and he's not going to apologize for it, okay? He loves Captain America. Cap is what makes this world go round. Cap is a great example of exactly what we were just talking about of the fear. He was a fearful, little squiggly, little tiny, wimpy kid, dopey, could never get a girl. U.S. government injects him with some serum or something, boom. Confidence busting at the seams. He is ready to save this great nation. In fact, he did multiple times. He saved the world. Let's not forget he saved the world. He saved a lot. He saved a lot. Hammer and shield, baby. Hammer and shield. He saved me, you, the world, everybody. (laughs) That's right. Saved us all. From the purple motherfucker. That's how it works. From that. From that. That was a good drink, though. We could have one a couple of purple motherfuckers. Those are good. I think they're called Purple Haze. I don't know. I'm not sure. Purple, purple haze. Isn't that a song by Prince? That was past. That was before your time. There, I'm nah. talking about when I started going to the clubs when I was purple your age. Haze. I feel like an old man right now, but let's move forward from that. <laughs> let's move. Oh forward. man. All right. So, who needs who? Who needs who more? That's a big question. Hmm. Who came first, the chicken or the egg? Hmm. I would say mm, tough. That's Both. a tough. One. I don't know. But we don't care about chickens. Let's move on to past chickens, dogs. So, who needs who more? This is an interesting topic. So we're going to talk about that. Jordan, what's your take? Who needs who more? Dogs need humans more or humans need dog more? Yeah, you're talking about dogs or people or people or dogs. Like who needs who more? That's what you're talking about, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Because I have my theory on the two. Who do I think needs this more? Do the dogs need the people more or do the people need the dogs more? If I were to pick one, I, I could be a kumquat and say that dogs need people more because they could not survive without them. That if there was an outbreak or a lack of food supply or something, the dogs would be looking for the humans for help. And yes, these things are true. But I think when you stack it up acorns to acorns, um, I think that the benefits that us people, us humans, the human race that we receive from dogs 
far outweighs the needs of the dogs themselves when you were to, to, to get an even playing field. It's, it's an immeasurable amount that I get from my dog, just me, just all like the things what? that my, my dog has given me. Let's see. What has my dog given me? He has given me love and he's given me licks and kisses and he'll listen to my problems sometimes when I have no one to talk to and I'll just talk to him out loud and he gets excited to see me. He gets so excited to see me. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, we can talk about that maybe down the road, but it is very, very reassuring. Hey, hey, there is, there is nothing that a husband wants more in a loveless relationship than to come home to his wife with a beautiful cooked meal and all this energy. She's waited all this day to see him. That's all he wants, and that's all I want. I want, I want to be greeted and licked and just... Look Wait, we're talking it. about you're talking about your, your dog or with Marissa? The dog. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, okay. should have made that more clear. I'm okay. talking about the dog. You don't want Marissa me. jumping all over you, licking your face. Uh, right I can't comment on that. But um, when I come home, my dog is so excited to see me. It's almost like if I was having a terrible day up to that point, or if I got some traffic on the way home or what have you, it's like, oh, yes, like I am home. Bo is here. He is excited to see me. Maybe he wants a treat. And maybe that's why he's so excited because I'm usually the one to give him the treats. But he is excited, uh, you know, that makes you feel you good. It up. And that makes me feel good. That's exactly right. Exactly right. So here's the thing. So when it comes to like who needs who more, I think it's basically a toss up because hmm. the problem is that unfortunately people put their own feelings and their own needs ahead of their dog's needs. Right. So, yes, dogs do need stuff from us. Otherwise, like you said, you know, they'd be starving. But that's the problem is that their needs are really basic. So on the previous podcast, I talk about homeless people and dogs, which you and I actually had this discussion. And of course, this was supposed to be a discussion that I was planning that day and having with you on that episode. But unfortunately, Jordan, you know, was unable to attend that recording. I was going to throw that out there. That's right. Oh, my God. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about that, but I wanted to have this talk because I just felt like it was something important to talk about like homeless people and dogs, because, you know, people feel bad for the dog, you know, and I've seen some of the most calm, happy and well-behaved dogs with homeless people. And I feel that the reason why that is, is because they're not overstimulated and they're not overspoiled because they're provided the basic needs from this homeless person who doesn't possess anything material but yet is providing his dog everything that they want and need, right? So that dog is happy. And, you know, if you take, even if you take that dog and you put him into a household that's very loving and caring, they spoil him rotten, all of a sudden that dog develops anxiety issues and nervous issues and fear issues and, and aggression issues. And then people will blame it on, well, that's because of his background or where he came from. No, it's because of the fact that we are overstimulating them, you know, and we're overspoiling them, but we're not providing them that source of calmness. We're not providing them that mental and physical stimulation, you know, proper mental and physical stimulation. We're not providing them with a source of um, old school instincts of, you know, prim pr you know, primal instincts, which is really what dogs are all about. You know what I mean? Right. Like when, when we were talking about like who needs who more, right? And then I was thinking about this with the cats that I take care of in the, uh, in the neighborhood over here, you know, in, in, in the neighborhood over here. And there's one cat who I'm going to be taking in. I already decided that. I mean, you know, so anyway, but we'll get to that another time. I discussed that on a previous episode, but I've decided it's coming. So, you know, 
one before, but you know, a few years ago, I actually got one of those cats from my neighbor, my next door neighbor. And I felt happy that this cat was off the streets. Right. But then for months, this cat was like on the windowsill and I would see it every single day on the windowsill meowing away. And I couldn't help but wonder, did I do the right thing? Like by getting this cat off the street, yeah, it doesn't have to worry about illnesses, doesn't have to worry about, you know, I mean, feeding wasn't a problem because I took care of that, you know, getting run over by a car, other animals. Yes, that's the case, weather. And today it was, you know, we have storms over here and it's like pouring and I'm thinking my baby over here, my baby scooters outside and I'm thinking, hmm, but if I bring him home, is he going to be happier? You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, that's what I feel that most people and which is what I try to, you know, instill is our job is to provide dogs what it is that they want, not what we think that they want. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And what they want is not material stuff. They just need basic, their basic needs met, you, you know, know, but it all starts from like that mental health. Cause I'm right. sure you've seen plenty of dogs that get rescued. I know I'd see them constantly for sure. Their all body, the their body right. gets rescued, but mm. their brain is trapped and, so and to still the people- suffering. To the people who are listening to him and still don't agree, I mean, I am with you. I I do agree with him now because we've talked about this at length, the same topic of the people who will still walk down in New York City or, you know, wherever a major city is, and they'll see that homeless dog with that homeless guy. Really take into account what Pat said there, because I know sometimes your emotions can get the best of you. And initially, I'm like, are, are you crazy, guy? What do you mean that these dog these dogs are fine? They're taken care of and they're they're cared for, and that they 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 see everything that they would want from an owner, and that they're happy, that they're happy and they're fed and everything like that. When we, like I was saying before, like you 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 have such emotion, such emotion that's tied into like human emotion like what we know as suffering or what is is depriving them of their happiness because we've seen dogs frolic through dandelion fields in the sunlight and they're getting you know glazed over and they're getting groomed by the van that'll come to your house for 50 bucks a session things like that that's that's all that we know this is dog paradise uh, and that's not the case that you know w- what a dog needs sometimes is not exactly how we see um, the perfect dog life panning out Right. So for all those people like me, myself, I was just in Nashville last summer. And it's so funny because I thought of the same exact instance. Um, But there's a guy sitting right on the corner, right in the main street of Nashville, all the bars, drunk people walking by. And he's got this beautiful dog, this beautiful like he almost reminds me of socks. Like he was like a pit bull, kind of dark in the face. And he was sitting there, didn't have a care in the world, was all smiles, walking up to strangers and everything. The homeless guy was sitting right there and he was, you know, he was doing what, you know, he's asking for money. He's got a little tip jar or whatever. Um, but I remember thinking to myself and all the girls were around me, like, oh my God, could you imagine uh, putting a dog through that? We, we got to do something. We, can we call the cops? I'm like, cops. In the meantime, how did that dog, that dog look to you? That dog, I mean, again, I was on the team, like, how could you do this to a dog? Right. But how did he look? Like when you looked at him, did he look miserable? He looked fine. Like he nice looked like he was relaxed. He looked like he was so excited to see people. He looked like he was about to get a job inside dancing on top of one of the bars. <laughs> I mean, he looked fine. His owner was obviously concerned about getting dollar dollar bills. Um, but the dog, 
didn't have a care in the world. He was, he was happy to lick whoever came his way. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, in that instance, you don't see that. You don't no see aggression well, issues, don't look, no anxiety, no right? Aggression, nothing. Mm-hmm. Totally personable with the people, with complete strangers, completely different smells before. And he was cool as a cucumber. He was cooler than I was. I was more nervous or anxious than he was. Right. And I was just looking at him. I was getting anxious because of him. It was marvelous. Crazy. Yeah. But, but like you had said, it, it is, you know, w- what is truthfully right. As, as long as this dog is loved for and is well-fed and, and everything, and they're a calm and cool, collected dog. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe when that dog in Nashville, that homeless dog, meets a regular dog from the suburbs who's had it tied up his whole life, maybe they wouldn't see eye to eye. Maybe they wouldn't get agree. They wouldn't agree about certain things and qualifications, right? It's, it's all standards. Mm-hmm. It's all standards and what's right for the animal. And like I, the one thing I could tell you is when like my, my, listen, my guys, socks and pepper are spoiled. You know what I mean? I'll be honest. I have nine, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have nine containers of treats. Mm. You know, I have three beds for them. Memory foam, very expensive beds just for them. And at night oh. they sleep in the bed, the real oh, bed. Boy. Oh so boy. So they have toys galore. They have everything. I mean, they have collars, they have sports themes collar, they have superhero theme collars. They got all this kind of fancy stuff. Does that really mean shit to them? Absolutely. They got coats for the wintertime, like literally coats with hoods on them, you know, that are winter coats with the little cloth things on the they sleeve. They don't know area. what a coat like, is. They don't know what a coat is. They don't care. But some of this is for like what I want to provide them in it because it's what I want to provide them. Now, the relationship, which is exactly what you were talking about before, man, which is husband, wife, right? Husband has needs and wants. Wife has needs and wants. So if one is being provided those needs and wants by the other, but not the other way around, is that a good relationship? I don't think so. Exactly. A human dog relationship is exactly that. It's a relationship. So our job is to provide the dog what they need. And it's very basic. They need mental and physical stimulation, which is not, I repeat, is not running around the backyard. That's playtime. They need mental and physical stimulation. They need structure, direction, bounds, and limits, and rules. And then they need rewards. Everything in balance, which is why it's called barking for balance. See what I'm saying? Shout out to Barking for Balance. Shout out Barking for Balance. Shout out Pat Butita. Shout out Butita. Pat Butita. Shout out all the Pat Butitas out there who hate getting called by Butita. I'm going to call <laughs> him Butita. It's Butita. I know the right way to do it. Um, but this is Barking for Balance. If you haven't liked or subscribed already to the podcast or the channel, please do it right now. What are you waiting for? Get down there, turn on the notification bells, and let's get this thing going. There you go. There you go. So I guess we're in agreement. Like who needs who more? What's the, what's the final response here? I think the final response is exactly what you summated. I think it's exactly that it is, it is close. Um, but in terms of, of value to me, in terms of humans, human value, um, that we garnish the most from having dogs in our lives than the dogs. They, you know, I'm not trying to belittle what dogs get from us humans because it is immeasurable. But at the same token, I think that that whether people want to admit it or not, that dogs do 
a whole number of things that we can't even discuss. We can't even put it into words. It goes above our ears. It is not even uncomprehendable, the things that they do for us sometimes. We only know so much about our body and how our brain works, right? We're still learning every day. Scientists are still pushing to figure out the new whatever have you. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it really equates to that, that we, uh, you know, dogs do way, for, way more for us humans um, than we can ever do for them. Well, I think that's true, but I feel that with education, proper knowledge, I think that formula can be balanced out. Barking for balance, it's all about balance. So the problem is that, again, without the proper knowledge, listen, you can't give somebody willpower. That's impossible. But we could give them the knowledge. And unfortunately, like in my job, that's really what most people lack is the right knowledge, the right information. They Google the stupid stuff from the dog training world with the, the treats and the obedience commands. And they're not understanding the fact of the matter that what their dog needs is basic stuff. It has nothing to do with obedience commands and treats. So if we provide people with the right knowledge, people love their dogs, man. Right. But they, they love their dogs the wrong way. So they're getting what they need from their dogs. Like you talked about it before. You said this before you talk to your dog, you know, you're having a bad day and you sit there and you're telling him your problems and he's listening to you probably and his head is tilting and you're like, oh, he really understands me. And you feel um, you feel fulfilled. You feel listened to. You feel appreciated. You know what I mean, your dog has no clue what the hell you're saying, no. but he provided you what it was that you needed at that moment. That's right. a beautiful thing. It is. You know what I'm saying? So what our job is to do is to reciprocate that, but it's more than just what we think in our brain is we have to adapt and understand their brain. So mm. like, if you think about it, and I want you to ask Marissa this question, it's Marissa, not Maritza. Marissa, Marissa. M-A-R-I-S-S-A. Shout out to Marissa. S-S-A. Yeah, That's Marissa, if you're listening, listen up right here. Go. So men and women, right? Are they different? Yeah, definitely. For right. Sure. Men and women are different. So if we think, feel, and act like ourselves, and we don't try to understand what it is that our woman wants and needs from us, are we going to provide them what it is that they want and need? If we're just thinking about it from our own perspective? No. No. So our job, in order to have a solid relationship, a balanced relationship, is to take ourselves out of our own shoes, out of our own skin, and understand what it is that they are all about. Because mm. what makes sense to us may not make sense to them. And it doesn't matter if it makes sense to us, if it doesn't make sense to them. Right. If it doesn't make them happy and fulfilled, then what's the point? Right. So we have to take ourselves out of our own shoes and put ourselves into theirs. And that's what I try to do with this whole this whole thing with Pac-Man to the rescue and the whole dog world is to educate people on the real facts of what a dog truly wants and needs from you. I never have to teach my people, my, my clients or anybody for that matter, who's a dog lover, how to love their dog. I have to teach them when and how much at the right time, mm. how much in general sky's the limit, but right. sometimes love when you're dealing with the wrong thing, it's not, it's not, um, it's not effective. It's almost like when you have a person who's going through some stuff and all you try to fix it is with love. Does that work? All you need Rarely. is love is not really true. No. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I hear you. I hear you. Wow. That is so, true. That's yeah. a lot to take in. A lot to digest there. A lot of words. But Remember, of it's all about balance. So I'm never telling people not to 
do stuff. Like I said, nine jars of treats, memory foam beds and all, but it's about balance. You have to balance everything out because if you do one more than the other, the formula's off, yep. you're out of balance. That's exactly right. And you the scale's too much tip weight. Over. That's right. On the scales, if you got one, if you got too much weight on one side of the scale, it's going to tip over. It's not going to work. That's you're right. Gonna break your, you're going to break your scale. That's right. That's right. And this is like old school, you know, mentalities where there wasn't a lot of that balancing act. Like, for example, with my, my parents, you know, and, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of understanding. Like, for example, you know, like my mom, my father since passed away, but my mom, um, I try to get her to like watch these things for the sole purpose, if anything else, is to kind of like just learn about stuff. Because, you know, we don't just don't talk about dogs. We talk about whatever. Right? right. And I, right. you know, I speak Sicilian today was a little more mellowed on the Sicilian, but I'm Sicilian on that side. But, you know, we speak Sicilian and whatever. And of course she yells at me when we talk about, you know, like, like when I say like curse words and stuff, but, you know, just to like learn and improve, just to get an idea, even at close to 80 years old, there's still room for improvement. So this way I'm hoping that at some point she'll understand the dog world better. And even if she gets one thing out of it, she gets to see her beautiful son, how awesome he's become. Hey, you know what I'm saying? And plus now I'm going to make her watch it because, and listen to it because she gets to see this beautiful face of yours, Jordan, and the beautiful voice as well. Not just the gorgeous one here. You know what Hello, I'm saying? Mrs. B. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Jordan. And it is great to meet you and hopefully we'll maybe get to meet in person one day. Who knows? That's right. Ciao, mama. Salutamo. Salutamo. Ciao, ciao, ciao. My mom is so technologically like deficient. She has an iPad and she uses it as a Facebook box. Mm, mm. You know what I'm saying? You know, oh my God, Pat. Pat, do I have a story for you about for my mom and her technological difficulties? Okay. So, this, oh God, this is so funny. So, I actually was not there for this story, but I got the entire rundown from my brothers. Um, but pretty much, we're, we're all big Mets fans. LFGM, we love the Mets. And um, my brothers had gone to a game. Wait, wait. With- LFGM? That's let's fucking go Mets. That's a rallying cry. That's what Mets fans say to other Mets fans to let them know how serious of a Mets fan you are. Right. I like if it. I if I say LFGM and someone gives me a little fist bump or they say it right back, I know you you're in. You're ready. Okay, we're going. Get on this boat. <laughs> um, so they're at a game. This is maybe two years ago, and my mom and my both my brothers are there, both diehard Mets fans. And something had happened where my brother knew he was going to be on the big board, that someone from the stadium was walking around with a microphone, and they were going to quiz him about questions that he already knew the answer to about Mets history or what have you. I don't even know what the segment was, um, but he knew he was going to be on the big board. So he takes out his phone and he goes, I can't, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life to get a photo of me on the big board here at City Field for all these beautiful fans. So his time comes, he hands my mom the phone, the camera is open, it is perfectly calibrated to exactly his specifications. He goes through the whole thing with the guy from the stadium, he asks us questions, Jason is all smiles, it's video worthy, some people they say were brought to tears, my brother sits down, right, he's red in the face, he gets so red so quick, and <laughs> he looks at his phone, and he opens up his camera roll, and there's nothing there but two photos of my mom's face she had figured out a way to flip the camera around during that whole ordeal and had captured two photos of just her own face and had missed my brother on the jumbotron entirely and this is something now that he talks to till this day and now he is destined to go back to city field and to get on that big board and to finally get that photo because its opportunity was tripped upon 
So it wasn't just a photo. She wants. She was supposed to get like the video of him actually. She was supposed to get the the whole moment, whether it be a photo of him on the big board or a photo of him getting interviewed. Or, you but know, she didn't anything. see like on the on the camera that it wasn't him. And again, the most amazing <laughs> thing is that she has a the same exact phone herself. It's not like she has an Android or something. She doesn't know the buttons or whatever. She still <laughs> managed to mess this up. And just like you were saying about your mom, <laughs> I just feel like some people, you get to a certain age that technology kind of just evades them. And right. I think my parents' generation, it had just eclipsed them by a little bit. You know, to my parents, cassettes and VCRs and all those things were new age technology, mm-hmm. right? Whereas to us, the iPads and the iPhones and the Apple Watches and everything and the AirPods, you know, what have you, that is our new age technology. And I'm sure when I have my own children and they ask me to take a photo of them with their Gigamatron <laughs> or whatever they have, I will figure out a way to hit the wrong button and oh and and fuck it up that way. Uh, but until that day comes, uh, this is just a very, very funny story about um, not only my family, but my mom. And well, I can tell you one person, I can tell you one person who I was not going to think this is a funny story. Who? Your brother. Yes, no, he definitely, your mom probably doesn't think this is a funny story at all. No, no. In fact, it's not discussed. And they were just at a game like a couple of weeks ago and uh, they ended up getting a very nice photo with Steve Jelbs. If you're a Mets fan, you know who he is. Mm -hmm. He's like the guy who is on the broadcast, but walks around the stadium. Um, They had pretty nice seats. And Steve was walking around. No, he's in like the uh, SNY blazer. And my mom actually got a photo of all all of them together. Or I think maybe Steve took it. I'm not sure. Uh, But my mom had definitely... um, um, uh, you know, rescued herself from that whole situation. So it's good to see. It's good oh, to see that the man. band's back together. We're all back at City Field and they're all having a good time. So that is a hysterical story. I love it. Yeah, I'm absolutely. telling you, when it comes Ab- to parents, man, you never know. And too, while I'm here, I, I do have uh, one more story uh, about my father while I'm talking about both Uh-oh, my parents talking, and trash well talking parents here. This is the new I, segment. I may as well, I may as well mention my dad here. Um, so how do listen, I, we what? could do this as a segment. We trash talk our family. Yeah, that's fine. No, I like fine. it. Yeah, let's just trash talk. You know, you had me talk about parents. I'm going down the road or whatever. <laughs> so I work in the food service. I work part-time at a restaurant right down my house. It's half goods. I'll shout out half goods. 44 Midville Ave. We do brunch on Sundays. We're open till 3 PM. Uh, kitchen closes at two 30. We are um, not sponsored by them. I just want to point not that sponsored. out. But- goods, if you. Go ahead. Hap Goods, Hap Goods, if, if you're listening and you want to go in on a sponsorship uh, for a low cost but a high ceiling, um, now is an opportunity uh, to jump in on Pat the Pac-Man. What we're brewing over here is going to be delicious cold brew coffee, and you don't want to miss out. That's right. Uh, so for if balance. you're listening, Billy, Marty, Fernanda, if you're listening, okay, give this man a call. Pat the Pac-Man, Pat Budida, Butida. Um, so I work in food service and I, I, I bust tables and I wait on tables on the weekends for a cold hard cash. And uh, so when I go out to restaurants in public with my family, it's almost like I have a film. Like I, I, I know what they're going through. You know, I can relate with any server. Anybody looks like they're kind of stressed. I'll just touch them on the wrist. I'm there with you. I've been there and I know what you're going through. You're going to get through this. Um, different talk about when you go out to eat. Outside when of- I go out to eat, yes. Okay. Now, my father has not worked in a restaurant since he was flipping burgers at his local burger joint in Freehold, New Jersey, when he was 15 years old, saving up some money to buy his moped or whatever, right? So he, but ever since then, he's merely been a diner and not someone um, 
who serves, right? Or even works in the restaurant at all. So, you know, we get to this restaurant, a nice restaurant, high ceilings, and there's candles lit on the wall and the music is playing nice jazz. And it's kind of, kind of low light, right? It's a very nice restaurant. We all got dabbled up, but we're all kind of exhausted. Special event? Special event. Um, no, we weren't. So, actually, what was, I guess it was, it was Lydia's birthday. It was Lydia's 52nd birthday, Lydia? if I'm not mistaken. Lydia is my dad's fiance. Got it. Um, yes. So we were all going out for Lydia's birthday. We were all there. And before we even sit down, my dad looks for a waitress who's nowhere in sight. And he, and he just shouts to whoever, whoever's cleaning the table, just the guy closest to him who has the uh, company uniform on. And he goes, we're going to need waters. Everybody <laughs> here is going to need waters and we're going to need waters quick. And he'll just sit down. Right. He has no, he doesn't know who he was just talking to. It could be another patron. Right. But he just, all he knew in that moment was waters. He'll do different things like that. He, he orders a nice tea. Right. And what the, the sugar boat that they bring out for him is evidently not enough white sugar for his likening. Um, so he requests more sugar. Then they bring out uh, no more sugar. They bring out just whatever else is coming. So he starts looking for other tables. He's like, we're, I'm going to go grab that sugar from that table over there. I'm going to, I'm going to go steal the, um, no dad, just, just sit down, just relax. It's fine. They're, they're going to bring it. They're on it. Don't you worry. He gets a little antsy. And then the lady comes over. It's a loud restaurant. A lot of people around. She starts reading off the specials. It's about like a four minute spiel. She's got to get through about the veal and the apricots and everything. Right. He is on the very, he's, he's on the very far side of the table. She starts talking about the special. She's got a mask on. We're just at a tiny restaurant. It's an Ital- I think it was like an Italian American kind of restaurant. Uh, you know, they do burger steaks, things like that. Okay. Um, so she's got a mask on. I don't know why, but she still does. But she's trying to read these specials. So she moves it away from her mouth just a little bit, an inch or two, just so she can get like better aeration of the words. Right. So my dad's at the end of the table. She starts talking, but she's about a minute in and he just shouts, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. <laughs> right. She, unbeknownst to her, she keeps going. She keeps, I'm looking at him. I'm in, in between them both. I'm looking up at her. I'm looking at him. And I just give him the hand. I'm like, relax, guy. She's she's gonna get down south to your side of the table if you just give her a freaking minute. How many because people were, were you there with? It was all my family. So it was the eight of us. It was eight and people. Lena's boyfriend. So it was just eight of us there. So it was a bit bigger table. And you're hey, the only one that's kind of like trying to calm I'm the only down. one. Yeah, this doesn't concern anybody else. But by him saying that. Okay, now it's the both of us who cannot hear her by you saying that. She's trying to talk about veal and the sides and the specials for tonight, and I can't hear her because you're chapping about you can't hear her. So we're going back and forth, and then finally she ends up going down to the end of the table and reiterates the specials to him. The whole funny part of the story is because after that exchange, I look him in the eyes and go, you're an asshole. I, I, I would hate to be serving a table like you, you are being such an asshole right now, not only to her, but to me, like you should know this better having a son who works in this kind of, oh, well, oh, please. I was just making a joke or whatever. Right. <laughs> so all of our food comes except for his and my brother's plate. Right. And uh, they the didn't put comes, all the spit on it yet. They didn't do it. They were finalizing that in the back kitchen, but finally <laughs> I'm eating, I'm eating my steak and everything. So she comes wait, to wait, check wait, on you us. Have? I had the steak fritz, which w- with a side of mashed potatoes, it was mm. a very nicely cooked steak. I loved it. I loved it. It was delicious. Mm. Yes. It was right by the Turtleback Zoo out there that in West Orange. Hung- that means hunger, by the way. Hunger. Hunger. Bedito. Yes, I was very hungry and I was consuming a delicious steak, but my dad's food had not arrived just yet. So the, the waitress comes over, as one would, to check on the people who are eating their food. And she asks, oh, how is everything, before you, guys? Before you finish that really quick, Go. is it Go. waiter, waitress, or is it server now? 
I, you know, at Hopkins, we do server. I feel okay. like waiter waitress is for a more upscale dining experience. Oh, you know, okay. waiter waitress is like, uh, it sounds like they're more qualified. You know, they've made really? it through, they made it through Duncan. They've oh. made it through the local diner. I thought that was a very it, demeaning term. Now. They made it through Outback and now they're here. You know, <laughs> they, they've ranked the scale to finally get to this kind of status. Thank you for the now clarification. They, yeah, of course. Anytime. So, um, you know, she asked the whole table how our food is and how it's tasting and everything. And uh, we all said your dad oh, still hasn't gotten his food. Dad hasn't gotten his food. And, uh, you know, everybody around the table who had their food goes, it's delicious. I love it. I, Wait, I love so my food. seven people food, one person, no food. Well, I did two. So it was him and my brother both didn't get their food. So six oh. of us are eating. And I look at her, I give her the thumbs up. I go, it's phenomenal. And so what I always say, whether it is or not, I go, it's phenomenal, right? Because, you know, what am I going to do with this? I'm not going to send it back. I'm not that kind of person. Was and, it phenomenal? Right. It was phenomenal. It actually was phenomenal. So this, this instance, I was not lying. But before she could leave, right? My, after everybody had done talking, my dad had to say, their food is great. I had a little piece of each of them, but it doesn't compare to the food that I have. <laughs> my food is delicious. Meanwhile, this is a man sitting in front of a, a naked table and a napkin on his lap. There's no food in front of him. And the lady just kind of stands there and looks at him for about 30 to 45 seconds before I go, thank you so much. You know, I got to, I got to end this. Uh, thank you so much. I'm so, I'm so sorry for him. Uh, he don't, don't disregard him at all. And then my dad looks around, what, the, what, what did I say? What, what are you talking about? I'm like, dad, you can't say that. You are such an asshole when you say something like that. Um, and he had no idea. He thought he was just messing around. He's chuckling. He's laughing. He thought everybody got a real good kick out of it uh, about his little, oh, my food's not here joke, but it's really good. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, that's a little piece of my dad. He so your is, dad's not really like a dick. He's just more of like just my dad a is not a guy. dick. No, he is not a dick at all. But he loves a good joke, and like he is the king of jokes and dad jokes collectively. Like I, I throughout my whole life, I mean, I would have a list longer than every dollar I've ever made of all the jokes that he has made just in the nick of time. He'll just come up with a dad joke, or I'll see the last name on a jersey, and I'll be like, you know, he'll have some funny kind of sentence to say about it. Is it um, funny? It is funny. There's well, a lot of times. Like, I'm, oh. Okay. So it, it's gone. I'm always, I'm always his comedic relief. If no one gets <laughs> a laugh, he will always get a laugh out of me. But because of these circumstances at a restaurant, right? I wasn't going to let these kind of jokes fly. That's a sensitive spot not, for you. It's a sensitive spot for me. And I can very quickly put myself in this poor woman's shoes about all the beratement and everything. And because I'm sure end, you've experienced that shit yourself. Of Course, ten of times course worse. I, of course I have. Of course, about these. Oh my god, you get back in the kitchen, like oh, you fucking. You know, next segment, I want to hear some stories this, about restaurants. This guy, stuff. this guy at ten is giving me the worst time of my entire life. What time is it? Can I go home? That's what I would be saying, right? And I'd be like, fuck this guy. I'm not gonna get your fucking sugar or anything else <laughs> that he's asked for. And the funniest part of the whole story is he finally gets his food, and it is one of the specials. After how that long? She was. Um, like I, I was nearly done with my food. So it really was like 10 to 15 minutes after we had gotten our plates, which was a problem that we had to root out after the fact. Um, but he ended up getting his food and he ordered a pork chop, but they brought out like a veal kind of thing. She's like, that's the veal pork chop. He's like, well, every time I've ordered a pork chop in my life, it's never been veal. So why is it veal now? She's like, well, wait, it's a, it's veal. a veal pork chop. It's a veal or porterhouse is what it's called. Porterhouse. Okay. I don't know steaks, whatever okay. the cut of whatever it was veal. And he thought he was getting a porterhouse, just a regular steak, uh -huh. not the veal. But because he was a fucking douchebag at the beginning, when she was running through her specials, he didn't hear it correctly. 
right? And he ended up getting the wrong thing. So it ended up coming to bite him in the butt after it was all said and done. And then we but had the, all, did he eat it? He ate it. And I think they even took it, or I don't even know if he ate it. He was picking at it for a bit. We had to have the waitress come over and investigate. Oh, is this veal? <laughs> is this pork? It tastes like pork. It was a whole big thing. I think he ended up taking it to go, but we had a long drive home where we talked about the whole thing and I was able to express to him all of the problems that I had and how you can't talk to someone like that, especially in a food service, because this is the person who's going to take that last glimpse of your food before it gets to your table. So if they did want to spit in it or if they did want to give you the wrong thing, they have all of the power in the world to make that happen for you. So you That's don't want right. to make their life more difficult because then they'll, they will always make your life you back, more difficult. Man. That's exactly right. Payback yeah, is so a bitch. So that is my parents in a nutshell. I don't want to, I love them both. If you guys are listening to this, you guys are the light of my world. I don't mean to belittle anything you've done to make this person that you have made by any means. Uh, Listen, I just think, I just think could, sometimes you guys are funny. I'm barking to balance. I'm barking for balance. We could talk about parent stories and I'm going to share some stuff with uh, about my parents at some point too. Don't you worry. We'll have some fun with that. That's so, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. You got to listen. And if you do want to listen to those things, if you do want to listen to Pat's parents and, and all the funny things that make them the people that they are, have you liked? Have you subscribed to the podcast yet? Have you turned on those notification bells? If you haven't, okay, why don't you do yourself a favor and go ahead and do that? You're waiting too long if you've made it this far and you haven't already. Okay, so please, Pac-Man of the Rescue, he is Pat Bodida, and uh, we are barking for balance, I guess. That's right. We guess we are barking for balance. And what this am is I Pat saying? The Pac-Man and we are on Amazon. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts and we're on YouTube as well. So pick what one of those platforms. On? Pick what? all those platforms, what? man. What are we on? Shit. Are we? You have no excuses. Okay. Nope. If you're a Spotify person, you got it. If you're an Amazon person, you got it. Even if you like YouTube and you don't like any of those other services, you got it. We got it all. You got no excuses not to listen to us and to subscribe to us. The best podcast relating to anything, but especially dogs. You want to learn? You want to learn how to have a good relationship with your dog? This is the platform. Look no barking further. For balance. Look no further. This is Barking for Balance. We talk all things. We talk people. We talk dogs primarily, but we talk all things. All things That's people right. and all things dogs. And then anything else in between. We talk about That's our right. parents. And we why talk about is that, Jordan? What do we do at Pac-Man to the rescue? Oh, my God. I've been waiting for this moment for weeks now. I've been talking to people. I've been talking about coming on this podcast for weeks now. And I've been waiting for this moment. Pat, can you please say it to me one more time? Say it. We train people, not dogs. We train the people and not the dogs. This is not a dog podcast. This is a podcast for people in which we are trying to train for the dogs. And we can inspire you. We can support you. We can give you all the tools so you have a good relationship with your dog. So your dog is happy, fulfilled, and well-behaved. And everybody's happy. Yes. Not just your dog, nope. but you as well. Mm -hmm. And not mm -hmm. to mention, listen, we got Jordan on here now. This is so exciting. Jordan Kern is on Barking for Balance finally. Jordan, listen, this was cool. We had a lot of fun. We're going to have more fun. And I'm excited for uh, the next one. Pat, the Pac-Man, um, Pac-Man, if you would, uh, I, I can't thank you enough. This was such an awesome experience to come on this podcast and talk to all of your lovely fans and even to be speaking to your very lovely face. Um, so I thank you from the bottom of my heart for giving me the opportunity to come on and, and enlighten you guys with a little bit of things that I have to say. Um, and I definitely look uh, forward to coming back on in the near future.
And guys, if you have any questions for Jordan, any questions about dogs, if you want to know something, you want to talk about something, make sure you write us up and hit us up. Subscribe on our, uh, like us and follow us on our Instagram page and on our Facebook page as well. And don't forget, Jordan, what's your page? Remind them. Um, you can find me uh, at I'm Jordan Daddy too. Uh, if you heard it before, I don't want to go through it again on Instagram. And uh, that's all I'm going to plug right now. Other than that, I'm just Jordan Kern. I'm just 23 and I'm just having a good time. I'm, I'm, I'm having the time of my life here on Barking for Balance with my lovely friend, Pat. And I'm totally looking forward to uh, the future. My man, Jordan. Guys, thank you for joining this episode of Barking for Balance from Jordan, my man, and from the Pat the Pack man. We'll catch you guys next time.